Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. How we doing? Everybody good? Having fun in church today? There's a bunch of stuff going on today. It's one of those days where it's like almost like, uh, like a traffic jam of cool things. Uh, happening at church today, and um, and I absolutely love it. So thank you all so much for your participation. Thank you so much for supporting our kids. I mean, one of the things that we learned early on at Christ South is that this place is all about kids and families and folks that maybe even if you're single and you don't feel like you have a family, look to your left and right, brothers and sisters, because you got a family. Amen. Amen. Every year, every year for the past 13 years. I have been getting together with a group of fellas, old friends. We keep getting older. That's weird, by the way. It's really weird when you start like hanging out together and you're like, man, 13 years ago, this gathering was much different. (laughs) Now we're all like, yeah, let's get home by nine and just go to bed. (laughs) But it's a very important gathering. It has quite a bit of ritual to it, some very important traditions. There are very specific rules and also a very important order that has to take place every time we get together. And of course, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It is our annual fantasy football draft. And I just wanted to let you know, and I I knew that, I I mean, you know that you guys um, are in the presence of the four-time champ. That was, that was it? Just a couple of O's? Man, I am the orange crush, and I am typically taking out my frustrations from the week on some lowly soul on a Sunday through Monday nights. It's fantastic. I destroy their dreams every week. Oh, no, it sounds a little intense. It's a lot of fun, though. It's a little silly, but it's a lot of fun. Playing fantasy football has been something that's been a great time. Fantasy football folks out there, anybody say yeah? Yes, yes it's fantastic. What's the name of your team? i got to hear some of these, some of these team names. <laughs> or the ones that you're willing to tell us. What's the name? Mari Goda. Mari Gota. Oh, that's terrible. All right, so what's the... What you got? Hello. Oh, here we go. Okay. Talking. Tuck and rule, bro. Okay, very good. The tuck rule. I like that. Okay, tuck and rule. Okay, that's a little more creative. What else we got? What else we got? So I can annihilate you. What? Necessary roughness. Pastor Melody had one for a while that was called the Gridiron Girls. I always liked that one too, even though there were no girls on the team, but she ran that thing, didn't she? Amen. Come on now. It's a fun thing. It's so silly. It's good times. Lots of great memories over the years. But what's most important is that you really got to get the exact right player, right? I mean, like, it's all about making sure that you find the exact right one. Now, we play in a keeper league, and you can keep up to nine players in our league, which I know for some of you is like, that's crazy. It's more like a dynasty league. But see, that's how we roll. Anyway, and so I keep just about all, all the years we've done this, I've kept nine players which is crazy, but I just, I love my picks. I feel confident about what I'm doing. So when I do finally get to our draft in round 10, (laughs) every pick counts. Like it's gotta be right, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't mess up a pick in round 10. Like you can't really win your league in a draft, but you can sure lose it, amen? Come on, and it's not really an amen thing, maybe, but we're gonna use it here. So you got to get the perfect player. See, I'm looking at like the system that they're in, what kind of system they're in. I'm looking at like the bye weeks. I'm making sure that they all line up. But then when it comes down to like my quarterbacks and wide receivers, and I'm looking at the offensive line. See, that's the secret. 
you got to make sure that that team has a really good beefed up offensive line. So all week or all year long, I'm actually studying offensive lines. Yeah, see, pastors only work for one hour on a Sunday, so it's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at like how many targets they're getting. I'm looking at like their injuries, like how many injuries they're coming out of. So it's so important that you get the absolute best. And I think that I've fallen in love with fantasy football for a few reasons. Uh, one is that I am a complete nerd. I just am. I'm all in with this. Like, I really love to study it, read it. I want to know, like, exactly what's going on. I like, stay updated. You know what I'm saying? They even have had, in our league, they've had to make rules so that I won't keep winning. This is no joke. As a matter of fact, last year, they decided that we would have no off-season moves whatsoever because they were so mad that I was studying and figuring out which running backs were getting traded. I was picking up people before they were even available, and they got really mad, and they made a rule that we can't even do anything now. Anyway, the second reason, I win a lot, and I'm feeling pretty confident this morning in telling you guys that. I don't know why I wrote it so much in here, but I guess I feel really confident coming out of this draft weekend that I'm going to rule these guys again. And I think if I didn't win, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. That's an amen right there. But I do keep playing church softball, and we don't win that a whole lot, so maybe that doesn't work. Yeah. The third reason, I love to find a player that no one is thinking about. I love to find that player that's kind of like the up and coming, you know, that one rookie that just happens to be in a really good system and that you just know that top running back is going to be done by week four. That's somebody I got to have. See, I want to find that upcoming talent. I'm always looking for that outsider, the one that nobody else is paying attention to. I was thinking about this on the drive home and I thought, you know, I wonder why that is. Why is it that like I really love to do it? I, there's a competitive edge to be sure, but I think I figured out there's something a little bit more to it. I remember when I was in like elementary school and, uh, and we had this big kickball game. And this is back in Grassland, Tennessee, which is like a part of Franklin, which at the time was like, you know, still pretty, not like country, but country. You know what I'm talking about, the difference? You know what I'm talking about? See, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And it was the kind of thing where they had this great big asphalt area and, and, and we were supposed to play kickball on the asphalt. Yeah, I know, but whatever. So this is great big area, and, and it, was like, it was hot. I mean, it was hot, and I remember like, the dust just rolling across, and you can almost see and taste, and I can, I'm almost still there. And I remember standing there, and they had a bunch of people, and my buddy Peter was, was one of the captains, right? And they were going to pick teams, right? Anybody ever been there where you're like, either the captain or the one that's just waiting, and, and they're going back and forth picking teams, and they're one by one, they're picking all these you know, people, and my buddy's there, I'm just like, I'm definitely going to get, Peter's just waiting you know, until we get to the end, and surely you know, I'm going to get picked and then they picked them all one by one everybody got picked and they're like all right let's start playing and I'm like still standing there I kid you not everybody say oh <laughs> that was not emotional enough <laughs> I never got chosen I was just standing there and I was like well I guess I'll go play Foursquare with those kids you know I didn't know what to do I hated that feeling I hated the feeling of not being picked. Nobody, really? Like, no, like you don't need an extra player? I'll, I'll play catcher. Nobody wants to play catcher and kickball. I'll play catcher even. I mean, like, can I do something? It was terrible. I feel like, I feel like most of us have been there at one point. Yes? All right, there's like three of us. We're going to get a beer after church. <laughs> 
But I feel like, you know, that feeling when you're not important. It's that feeling when, like, you don't have the gifts. Like, you don't have the skills. You don't have the abilities. And, that, and I remember that feeling of thinking, like, gosh, I've got nothing to offer you, like, at all. I, I mean, like, I could even just be enthusiastic. <laughs> Go! <You know? laughs> that feeling that everybody gets, it feels like, sometime when you just don't feel important. And I'm wondering, though, today, if there are some folks in here that might be feeling a little bit unimportant today. In our Redefining Love series, we're learning about what Jesus' love looks like in its manifest form. Like, what does it look like as it's lived out? And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to skip through it a little bit, but if you're following through, it's verse Starts with verse 1, chapter 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, not kickball from Matt, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does all of this work in us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. God alone decides which gift each person should have. Then Paul uses this really great analogy. We alluded to it a few weeks back. I'm going to just bring you this scripture from verse 12 on right here. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I love when Paul just gets absolutely ridiculous. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Everybody say no. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where God wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? That's, that's my whole issue with hamburger helper. <laughs> the glove, I can't do it. Uh, and we're back. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand and the head, excuse me, can't say to the foot, I don't need you. I'm going to read verse 21 again because I know we need to be hearing this right now. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. It's a long scripture, so stay with me. Everybody good? Say yeah. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, 
Thanks be to God. See, the body is meant to be diverse, right? It wouldn't make sense if the body was all just a hand. Paul just lays that out. The hand can't say to the foot also that I don't need you, right? It's a super important thing for both of those to be present. The body isn't a body without all the parts. It's meant to work together. It's meant to serve the good of all, as Paul writes. Everybody good so far? Say yeah. And this works in so many different contexts. Not just this, uh, this uh, analogy of, uh, or metaphor of the body, right? It also works for us in the church. It's true. We need everybody here. We all show up at 7.30 in the morning, and every single part and piece that you see here gets put up by somebody doing something different. All moving in a lot of different directions, all at the same time, because all of those things are so important. And even right now, there are folks that are helping to set up what's going to happen next for us. Like, this is all part of the body, the body of Christ, the church working. All of the folks that are up here that are memorizing and listening to music and singing in the shower, all the folks that are making sure that everybody feels welcome as they come in from the parking lot, and all of you that are inviting people throughout the week and letting God work through you so that somebody might hear the gospel are all part of this body. But it also works at work. I mean, could you imagine having a successful business without an accounting department? I mean, it wouldn't make any sense, even though sometimes they're real annoying. <laughs> Just let me spend the money I want to spend. <laughs> or even in the family, right? It works in the family, too. We would be at a loss if we lost part of our family. Or even our friends. You can move this around in so many different contexts. See, we need each other to be our best, to be the whole. I, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to review this story instead of telling you it all again. But I told a story about when I was at camp, and we were training to be counselors. And this young lady was teaching us um, some high ropes course stuff. And she went to tie her figure eight. She tied it wrong. It was a terrible accident. And she went to rappel off the back and jumped like 12 feet and just landed straight on her back. And it was awful. It was just terrifying. I still hear it and see it in my head. We had this diversity of gifts amongst the rest of us that were there. It was like God took that nasty, awful situation and put all of these people here to help bring life and resurrection from it. We had somebody there that was the organizer. We had somebody that was singing. We had somebody that was a prayer. We had somebody that worked as, a, as an e, um, uh, emergency, what do you call it, ambulance worker. EMT, gosh. And we had somebody else that was, was a cross-country runner that could run down the mountain back to the place so that we could actually get her evacuated out of there and get her to a hospital. It was incredible to see that all of us were there for a purpose. That even in that small context, the body was important. And none of those gifts were more important than another. Our culture right now has gotten so intense on trying to divide us against one another. Somebody say amen on that one. And we can't do that. We can't let the body get divided. We can't look at somebody else and label them in a particular way, no matter whether we agree with them or not. They're part of the body. See, that's what the kingdom of God means. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. The body of Christ working together. We're so quick to divide each other. We're so quick to push each other away. We listen to voices, even in ourselves, that say, well, you're not good enough. You don't have the gifts that so-and-so has, so, so you probably aren't important to this particular body. We listen to those voices, and it makes no sense at all. We can't help. We're not important. You're not gifted. You're not talented. You're not needed. You aren't good enough to play elementary school kickball. Ugh. I'm still thinking about that, man. Peter, I'm still mad at Peter. He had an opportunity, and he lost it. Peter, if you're listening, I love you and forgive you. 
I'm still mad. And we let those voices win. We let them win time and time again. Brothers and sisters, hear this good news today. It comes to us in Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you're reading scripture, this would be a great time to pull out your Bible or look at Matthew 5 because it starts, I'm not going to read all the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, but this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And he actually starts out addressing this huge group of people. Instead of coming and saying, oh, hear ye, hear ye, all of those righteous ones that have gathered here to hear the word of God. I'm going to give it to you straight, and you're going to go back, and it's going to be fantastic. You've lived a wonderful life, and you've got it all together. That's why you're here. You made the choice to attend this conference, and you made a good choice buying this ticket. No. He starts out in a completely different way than you would almost expect. He said, blessed are the broken. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the ones who don't have it figured out. Blessed are the worthless. You are the bringers of the kingdom. The parts that seem less important. You are important. You are needed. And then he says this to them. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. See, brothers and sisters, you are a light. Turn to two people and say, you are a light. Tell them real quick, you are a light. You're the light of the world. I got a confession for you. This is not important information, but it will help in my sermon probably. I'm a flashlight junkie. Anybody else here like a flashlight junkie? You walk through Home Depot and you're like, ooh, how many... Oh, look at that. That's, a, that's one that has a strap over the top of the head. That could be really good, right? And, you're, and you put these flashlights in all kinds of different places. How many people keep a flashlight on their car, on their keychain? They got one a couple places in the house. You got the junk drawer that has the old flashlights that you were obsessed with 10 years ago, but they don't work now for some reason unless you smack them really hard. Anybody with me on this? I'm a flashlight junkie. I don't know what it is, but I love it. I got them everywhere. I would bring them in here and like lay my collection out, but I'd be even more embarrassed than I already am about telling you this. But I probably have 30 or so flashlights throughout the house. I mean, they're everywhere. Anytime I find them, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a good deal. Looks like it's bright. Let's use it, right? I can figure, oh, I probably need one in my car, in the back part of my car, just in case I can't reach it because it's too dark to see. I need two in my car. I'm all about, though, the lumen count. Anybody with me? See, they'll trick you on the lumens, right? You'll look at it and be like, well, that's a fantastic flashlight. It's like 15 lumens. I'm like, ha, 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 child's play. I get, you better get over 300, 400 lumens or you will not make it into my house. I'm just telling you right now. This is an important thing. I told you I nerd out on stuff. If it's not evident now, it's not ever going to be. <laughs> But also, I like those cool lights that have like multi-tools and the ones you put on a keychain, the ones that are kind of always with you. I always love those different kind of lights. And I have tons of these things, and they're all different. And they all serve a different purpose in a different place. See, sometimes we say, yeah, I, I get it. I'm a light. I'm happy to be the light of the world. Jesus said it, so that's fantastic. But I'm really not as bright as those other folks are. I'm really not as smart as those other folks are. I'm not as witty or pretty or skinny or, or maybe I'm too lonely or maybe it's I'm 
I'm unloved or I'm unwanted. And we find ways to listen to those wrong voices. The news is Jesus didn't say, hey, all you perfect folks, you are the light of the world. All you guys that got it together, you are the light of the world. All you guys that feel like you're just righteous and you're following all the rules and everything's fantastic, you are the light of the world. No, he said, you broken folks, you poor folks, you unworthy folks, you folks that stare in the mirror and wonder how you get it together every single day. You are the light of the world. See, the thing about every flashlight of any size, any flavor, any lumen count, in a completely dark room, they can break the darkness. Amen? Every flashlight, every size, in the midst of the darkness. See, all my flashlights are different, but darkness doesn't stand a chance against any of them. Amen? And you guys know I'm not really talking about flashlights anymore. See, in that same way, you are the light of the world. No matter who you are, no matter what gifts you have or don't have, no matter what you've done or not done, no matter how much money you have or, or don't have, or no matter how you talk or who you love, you are the light of the world. So maybe today you're getting ready for a big life change. Maybe something's about ready to happen in your life. You are the light of the world. So shine. Trust God. Know that you will shine bright. Stop hiding and holding back. It's not what a light is for. Maybe you're about ready to start school. Anybody starting school on Monday say, what, what? Oh, that was unimpressive. <laughs> Shine. Shine right where you are. Give it all you've got. Maybe you just today affirmed your faith. And you're thinking, man, I don't know what role I ultimately play in this church. There's a whole lot of people out here that are, are they've been more experienced and they're older than me. And they've got all these other skills and gifts. No, no, you get to live that light right away. You are the light of the world. Or maybe you got your Bible, your three-year-old Bible, <laughs> and your beanie baby, which is awesome. Read that Bible, write in it, love that living word. Let, oh, or maybe, or maybe today you just heard the gospel for the first time. That in my brokenness, God still loves me. God put you here today to hear this God wants you to stop shining, stop hiding and shine, rather. God's calling you. You're on the team. You are the pick that God is looking for. Now, I might get into trouble here, but y'all called me to preach to you, so I'm going to preach to you. Is that all right? Somebody say, yeah. yeah. I want to go one step further. Maybe you've been going through a tough time. I know the stories of the people that are in this place, and I know that this is true for a lot of us. But I believe that God pulled me through that silly kickball game so that I could tell you about it. That God pulled me up through that mess so that it could be a story of redemption. To be reminded that there are other folks that feel that same way. To encourage you, to lift you up. To remind you that the struggle won't win, that the valley won't take you out, that the mountain won't defeat you, that this trial won't knock you down forever, that this, mm, this darkness can't stand any of the light in you. God is lighting up your darkness today so that you can light the way for someone else tomorrow. Somebody say amen. amen. I got a little vacation. 
I got a little vacation uh, a couple weeks ago, and I got a chance to go out and see a meteor shower. And um, it was the coolest thing. Anybody still, the, so, did you say the Persid, 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 meteor shower? It's really cool. It, it happened uh, a few weeks ago, and, um, and it was absolutely stunning. I went out on the deck where we were, and, um, and I remember laying back, right? And we had these chairs, you know those lawn chairs, that, like you, you could get a tan if you lay down in them? Well, I don't know what they're called, but anyway, I was laying in one of those. I clearly don't use them to get a tan, because that would be terrible. <laughs> I would use them to become a lobster. But I laid down and I was looking up at the sky and just the beautiful night sky that it was. And you're just kind of waiting, you know, and you're, and you're watching what's happening in the sky and you just, you're just waiting. But as you're waiting, you get a chance to see the absolutely stunning beauty of the stars. Such an amazing sight to see then this shooting star. And I kept thinking while I was laying there, because I'm kind of a nerd, and I don't know, I'm a pastor, that I, I couldn't help but think about how vast the stars were in the sky and how many there were. And I've talked about this before. I'm, every time I see the night sky, I'm reminded of God's covenant with Abraham, where he said, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars. So every time I look up at the stars, I think to myself, well, that's, that's us. I don't know, maybe it's a little bit silly, but every time I saw a meteor, I just got giddy. I just got so excited. It was like, it was like Christmas morning. Just joy to watch this thing moving across the sky. See, the thing is, we're not just stagnant stars. We're that shooting star, that moving star, that every time we move, every time we take part in what God's doing in our lives, God gets so excited like Christmas morning. That's why Jesus told them, you are the light of the world. You're part of that covenant promise. God made you to shine. Made you to be a light in the darkness, just as you are, broken, all with different gifts placed there by God. So brothers and sisters, Let's go light up the world. Amen. Pray with me if you would. Good and gracious God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this place, to worship you, to know that you are doing something bigger than all of us. We pray, God, that your name be praised. We pray, oh God, that you would light up this world with us. That you would help us to remember that we are part of your body. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You don't believe what I believe, so I got nothing for you. Lord, that's just not kingdom. Help us to see you in this body. Overwhelm us, Lord, by your love and your grace. Help us to respond to your gospel. Light up the world. We pray, all of God's children say. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina.
Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.